Welcome, everyone, to the 100th episode of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Joe Galone, along with Mark Kelly. We decided to give the rest of the team off this week to change it up a little bit. We promise in our version of the Light Shed Podcast not to use full names when referring to people. <laughs> not to talk over one another. And what else am I missing, Mark? Yeah, it's a little bit of a bizarro April Fool's Day episode. We'll keep the Fubo references to a minimum. Joe Buck, Fish. We'll try and go one or two on those tops and then see how it goes. Nice. So what do you think? What, what should we talk about this week? Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. God, I love this show. This is Fox Network history. West Philadelphia, Walt. You do the Carter? No, I can't. I, I'm not a good dancer. People in you live in West Philly, do you root for Villanova? Well, Villanova's sort of west of Philly. So, yeah, why not? Isn't it? It's not west, it's north. It's, it's like northwest. I'm not even from Philly. It's like northwest. All right, you know what? Shut up. Welcome, everyone, to episode 100 of the Light Shed podcast. Brandon I can't believe we Ross, made it to 100. Rich Greenfield, who couldn't even wait for his own introduction. Walter Pisick, and bringing in the whole fam for this episode for a little bit. Joe Galone and Mark Kelly. We did this shit a hundred times, guys. Yeah, you were wanting to quit after I think the second or third episode. I, I, he, I, he didn't even want to do it to start. He it was like no one's gonna listen. I I was I was bearish on it to, to start with. And imagine um, that. Imagine I that. was wrong. Imagine that. <laughs> Walt. <laughs> but at least what? you're ha- at least you're using a microphone. I think this is three weeks straight. So hats off to that. Out of the hundred episodes, I think I've yes. used a microphone at least seventeen times, and I think I've cut <laughs> you off. And 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 the over under on times I've cut you off is probably like five hundred times. I was thinking That's about okay. that. <laughs> and how that. and rich how many names have you gotten wrong across 100 episodes my I guess mean, we, should about, it, we should have done a bloopers reel that's what we should have done. we really All should the have shit that we edited out my my, my guess shouldn't do that real <laughs> yeah. i think we i think we should do a special you know the bonus track episode of that but <laughs> i rich has gotten twelve thousand names wrong he's said derogatory things about fubo at least 400 times he threw shade on something disney has done at least 570 times well hold on but i was back in disney world this week and bob chapik comes up to me at cocktails and said quote welcome back he doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. That is true. You're so he didn't mean. say otherwise he would have said, welcome everyone. <laughs> that would be to Disney World. Has anyone ever come up to you, Brandon, and just said that? Welcome, Brandon, to our social It's media. happened on a no, no, it's happened on a couple, maybe two or three Zooms where someone made fun of that. But um, hold on. And, I, I gotta tell you my t- 
All right. Tell your story, Rich. Well, just because it was crazy. So like they took us to the Galactic Star Cruiser, which is like the Star Wars Experience Hotel. And like you're literally stuck in the hotel for two days. This is a real celebration of our hundredth episode. Keep going, Rich. It's right in character. So keep going. What's literally? Literally. Keep going. They took you to the Star Cruiser. Now I don't even want to tell the story. Now I don't want to tell the story. What happened in the Star Cruiser? Okay, it's six thousand dollars for two days for a family of four. You are stuck inside, like you don't leave the experience. Your room has no windows. It's literally like an interior cabin of a cruise ship. Is this space you... perspective? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the Star Wars. It, it's not even. It's more than a hotel because you don't leave the hotel. You're basically in the hotel for forty eight hours for six thousand dollars. Was it good or not? I mean, the experience is awesome, except for the fact that there's no fresh air and there's no like outside. Like you're literally like stuck inside. But the so what do you the, do? Did you get jiggy with it? Well, like behind me is like where, where you actually like do experiences like, you you know, you help navigate the ship and you have, you know, like you work together as teams like you dress up in Star with Wars. clothing. Guests? You have to interact yes. with other. Yes, guests. Oh you have God. to. Yes. That sounds awful. But but the best part was as we were leaving. There were two people checking in for the day, had lined up hours early. And one of the Disney people comes up to us and says, we don't sell those costumes. Like they had made like head to toe, full body, like Star Wars costumes. Were you wearing a costume? Yeah. No, 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 no. no, no, no. People who were in line. The people people in line line had made incredibly like detailed with hoses and backpacks. And it was like Comic-Con. It was crazy. It was literally, but they're sold out for the next nine months. So clearly they're onto something in terms of the experience economy. Rich, Rich you you just fucking love Disney. And yes. I think it probably all these pain, years. it pained you to be at odds with them because I follow your socials religiously and I saw the smile on your face True. when you were at Disney World. I have never seen someone smile that wide that wasn't on drugs. Well, how do you know oh. I wasn't on drugs? Well, hey, hey, hey now. Hey now. <laughs> I'm glad we, we ended that finally, out. I'm glad that you finally embraced the mouse. Um, so that's great. Maybe we should I, do our next offsite in Disney. Well, I just thought it was, you know, telling a Disney World story for our hundredth episode just seemed perfect, given all of the animosity during the Iger era and how that is changing. But I've had no um, animosity. I love Disney. What? I enjoyed their, and I enjoyed their latest streaming show um, yesterday. Good, another what's good what's that called? Um, I forget the name of it. Black Box or something like that. <laughs> Made a real impression. <laughs> <laughs> the show itself did. I don't know. I tweeted it, but it's good. Another I Marvel. Tweeted it. I tweeted it. I gave I it mean, an A. Dude, you tweet what? every bowel movement, basically. It's, like, it's not like it's like 200 tweets a day. Not 200. All right. What's the first slide? Let's move on. All right. See you guys. Bye, Mark. Bye, Joe. I I love seeing your smiling faces for the beginning of this episode. So the first slide, I think we sort of have to start with, um, I guess we should start with with our theme music, right? Like we had a pretty crazy Oscars. I don't know. You know what I thought about the Oscars this year? Pre-slap as it is on this slide. It was boring as shit. You know what I thought about the Oscars post-slap? It was awkward as shit. That's <laughs> I make, it. I didn't, I didn't make it to the slap, but but what we're showing for the podcast listeners is there wasn't much change in the ratings pre-slap versus post-slap difference of 2% um, during that 
Um, we also have a picture of Tim Cook, who is partying it up after Apple kicking Netflix's ass up and down the Oscars. I, it's funny to see this picture of Tim Cook so happy. He wasn't so happy two years ago in 2020 at the Golden Globes when Ricky Gervais, who says jokes that are probably much more deserving of a slap than poor Will, poor, um, excuse me, Chris Rock, um, when Ricky Gervais was going after him about sweatshops in China and they and they cut to they cut to Tim Cook and a not so happy look. He was partying though, Rich. So what happened with Netflix? Well, look, I before I get to Netflix, I think the the thing that's notable about Apple, it's not just that Tim Cook was there, that he was partying it up with celebrities walking the red carpet. The notable thing is that Apple hosted an Oscar party, their first ever Oscar party. And I think were you invited? I mean, I didn't ask. I'm sure if I had gone, I could have gone. Then why do you care about it? Well, because I think it. God, this is an April Fool's app, but this is going to be brutal the whole way through. This is going to be just brutal. I can see I'm getting my ass kicked. That's been my goal. Yeah, I get it. I get where this is going. I understand the trajectory. April Fool's, baby. Everything I do is going to be beat up on. So I think it's it's interesting because. Apple is basically showing their commitment to being in this business. You don't throw an Oscar party unless you are some really putting down the gauntlet. Like we're for real. We're sticking around. I remember when Netflix threw their first big party. This is just a seminal event for Apple. And I think this is the beginning. You know, they've got a big partnership with Skydance Entertainment. There's a lot coming from Apple over the next few years on the film side. And the fact that they got an Oscar within two years from start of Apple TV Plus is just a huge sign. I mean, obviously for Netflix. No pun intended. You didn't get that joke, did you? No. It went over my head. Coda, sign language. Oh, yeah. oh my uh, God. Oh, God. I'm too sharp for you, Rich. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, it did go over my head. First of all, have you seen Coda yet? Hell no. It looks boring. Dude, it's such a good movie. You're so, oh. so uneducated. Oh. No, but do you think that I could get through it, given my ADD? No. But to Walt's point on Netflix, (laughs) (laughs) clearly huge win for Apple, negative for, you know, obviously not good for Netflix. But the reality is, I think the bigger point here is that streaming is just continuing to take over. And, you know, as we think about sort of the future of the movie business, Apple, Netflix, it's just there's nothing there's I mean, the hit ratio on Apple's pretty fucking good, Greenfield, relative to the amount of money that Netflix is spending. Good hit, hit ratio. Sh- Maybe that doesn't sustain over the next couple of years, but even on the sh- on the show front, good hit ratio. This, this what week, defines this- a hit? Well, huh, that's a that's a fair point, Brandon. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's my own judgment, and I'm pretty fucking good. So, uh, but to um, be fair, Coda didn't have a lot of viewership. Like the Netflix shows, like Don't Look Up, fair. had far okay. more viewership than Coda. That. So that's that sort of Brandon. That point. movie was absolutely awful. Okay, but again, we're not talking. <laughs> quality is coda. I get it. I'm just saying from the standpoint well, I'll tell you what of viewership. Define, I'll tell you what doesn't define it uh, a hit. Two minutes of viewing time. <laughs> that, um, that metric changed. <laughs> they have given up on that. I know this is April Fool's, but they did give up on that. You know, I know you can keep beating up on that metric, but they have gotten rid of that metric. Uh-huh. And actually, they report weekly viewership now for their top series, actual minutes watched. Now, I accept that, though, Brandon, in, in terms of what you're getting at, which is you're right. I don't I don't have nothing, have nothing to back up. It just seems to me that an the, Oscar, the, though, isn't necessarily yeah, a hit. Right. I because feel, let's, let's go no, back it. in Netflix time. Right. I know right. that they won some Oscars. This may be ignorant of me, but or 
my brain may be atrophying, but I cannot remember the names of the movies that they won Oscars for. I mean, otherwise stated, you would rather have that thing where, where all those people got killed versus Coda. Yeah, I mean, look, I just want to, I just want to no, give you show, a stat. Yeah, what, I understand. What was it called? <laughs> Suicide Squad. Like what? No. <laughs> yes. Well, I couldn't remember the name of the show. What's the like, name? This is getting dark. <laughs> no, it was the name where? Well, I guess that's a spoiler if, if no one's seen it. But like, what was that Netflix show where basically everyone got was it was Netflix, right? No, where everyone oh. got killed. Yes. Yeah, you were go. wearing the T-shirt, the South Korean. Back to the, there, it goes down oh, the oh, we're there. going back to Squid Games. Squid Games. Squid Games. Game, yeah. yeah. So the question is, would you rather have Squid Games, which is probably not great? Obviously, uh, obviously, Squid Game. It was a massive phenomena. It right. drove a lot of subscriber yeah, and it's growth. Possible, for don't Netflix. look up got greater usage and a greater viewer, and that that I would say was a horrible uh, movie. No well, but I just want to come back to Adam's project, which is the new Ryan Reynolds movie. It's been watched. So it's done in three weeks. It's done 210 million hours watched for Netflix. It's a sub two hour movie. So, you know, this is a film that's been watched in a, by 100 million global households have watched this movie within three weeks. I mean, Coda, you would need a magnifying glass to see viewership. It was a great movie, but you would need a magnifying glass. And so I just again, I think it's I think it's a little unfair to say hit ratio when, you know, we're talking about are we talking awards? Most things that win awards at the Academy Awards now don't get viewed. Uh, Otherwise, I, I accept that criticism, but I would say that subjectively, when I look at the content that I see on Apple TV Plus and what they've put out, the hit ratio seems much higher than the volumes of content that Netflix puts out. And you would say the same thing about most. If you turn on linear television, you would say the same thing. Or if you went to the movie Disney. theater, you'd say the same thing as well. Yeah. Disney's the outlier for sure. I mean, Disney so and maybe you HBO maybe on the TV side. I guess maybe that's the point. If you just pump out enough mediocre stuff, um, then that and that's going to keep your viewerships there and subscribing every month because it's, you know, it's kind of like what uh, our good friend Michael Clorman used to say about restaurants. Like if you have average to better than average food, but really good service, then it's going to succeed. Maybe that's the key to streaming is like you don't necessarily have to have the best con content. But a yeah. very steady, broad stream of meh, kind of and good and slightly better. This and goes every once in a while, something the, really good. This is the, goes back to the conversation we had about churn a couple of weeks ago, and why Apple uh, TV Plus's churn is way higher than everyone else's is because they do not have a lot of content to fall yeah. back on. That's it. You're right. You're both right. All right. Speaking of Next. Apple. Speaking of Apple, getting into the. Um, uh, into the sports business with Major League Baseball, we have some audio that I think the audience probably has not heard. This is from um, WFAN in New York. This no, is, uh, it is not oh, no. from WFAN. Where is it? Did you, did you know that <laughs> that Mad Dog went to Sirius? Like I had no idea. I just knew when I grew up, it was Mike and the Mad Dog were on WFAN, and I listened on was it seven seventy, six sixty, six sixty, six sixty. Seven 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 six 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 nine nine nine. What the fuck? Six, I don't know. It's April. Yeah, no, you can find it on your Odyssey. Six sixty for those okay. out there. Let's play the audio. Right, but go. again, Mad Dog is on Sirius. Mad Sirius. Dog Radio. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here we go. Put on local radio station WFAN, and you, those Met fans, must be. That's their whole show. They're not talking today about 
North Carolina Duke. Their whole show today is listening to the angry old man call up the radio station, get off my lawn, all ticked off that he can't see Scherzer's first start because God help him, he doesn't know how to figure out Apple TV. And he isn't the only one. Or he may not have Apple TV. He's not the only one. That's baseball trying to make too much. I mean, that's baseball fooling around. And I'll tell you, that's, that, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. We're going to work our rear ends off to find the football games on Thursday night. We're going to work hard for those games. We'll find them. It's NFL football. We bet them. Plus, the local game in your market's going to be on over-the-air channels anyway. But we, we, the, the Met game is not over-the-air channel. It's on Apple. We'll find those games on Thursday night. We'll find them. One night a week, we'll find Michaels and Herb Street, the Thursday night streaming game. We'll find it. Got to bet it. We'll find it. The old-time Met fan living out in Plainview, he's going to be raising hell a week from Friday. Where the hell's the Scherzer game? Ma, the meatloaf. And then baseball wonders why everybody's so upset. Well, warning you now, when you sell all your good games to all these little services, you got to give them something. You're going to tick off the people who spend a fortune on the cable packages to see their teams play every year, whether it's SNY or Yes, whatever it might be. You know, you're screwing out the fact, well, they got 130 games. They want to see Scherzer pitch. Give, give Apple TV, you know what, once you give the Apple, once you give Apple TV Marlins Mets in, in August, you know, once you give them that game, well, we can't do that. We got to give them good games. We got to give them something that, you know, people are going to get into. You got to help them out. They gave us a lot of money. So you give them the game that SNY gets killed with. You're going to bother them. You're going to bother the local fan. I'm telling you right now, you're going to bother them. And baseball is not in a position right now to bother a local fan who spends a fortune and gets screwed by these cable companies left and right. I don't know Eight where to start. In front of the hour, we continue. <laughs> I mean, that is some of the best audio we've ever had on the podcast. Audio is good. Okay, well, where do we start? First of all, I mean, Mad Dog's intro, you know, Mike and well, the Mad no. Dog intro is just the best thing ever. No, but but let's just go. The, the major point here is everywhere you look, every one of the streaming services is taking more and more content out of the bundle and putting it onto streaming. Walt experiences this with some of his EPL on Saturday mornings. Like everywhere you look, they just keep taking more and more out of the bundle, raising the price of the bundle, the legacy bundle, and then putting more of this stuff onto streaming services and forcing consumers to go A, find it, and B, pay for it. And I think that's sort of his point is like all you're doing is putting more and more pressure on that very profitable legacy bundle. No surprise that subscribers are going down mid to high single digits when you're continuing to rip more and more of that sports content. You already ripped all the entertainment content out. Now you're ripping the sports content out little by little. Not enough yeah. to like blow it up completely, but you're really making it awful from a price value pers perspective. Well, here's here's the thing, though. If you have, if you're a local sports fan, if you're a Mets fan, because they took 30 games off and put some on ESPN included in your bundle and put a bunch on um, Apple, are you going to cut the cord? No, because most of the games you can still only get by having the RSN. What it is, though, is consumer unfriendly. And as Mad Dog points out, baseball in particular, which is different from the NFL, is not in a strong position to piss off its fan base because its fan base is already kind of pissed off. 
The other difference is the audience for baseball's old. Right, but the demographic he just just, just described, they're, are, they're always angry about something. Like, don't play the loud music when the players go up to the bat or whatever. You know, God forbid there's a DH or not a DH. So I think the bottom line is <clears throat> you can crap on these fans and they're not, they're not going anywhere. This is like the asymptote to zero. You're going to have those residual fans. And ultimately, this is the change. Like, whatever. Change is tough. Sorry. It's tough. And you're going to have to f- try and find those, those games base- elsewhere. Basically, you're saying it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. I mean, I understand. It's, I think it's an interesting point. Yeah, you're pissing off these people, but like, you think they're going to not watch baseball? No, I mean, that's no. If that's you're such a diehard, you're not leaving. Yeah, the, of course. the person that he was to, that he was caricaturing in that, which was hilarious, and it's accurate. That person can be pissed off, and it's not fair. You know, to my, you know, my, you know, father, father-in-law, whoever it is, is going to be pissed off. But like, suck it up, dude. Figure out how to use streaming because that's where it's all going. You're not going to have a choice. This is like our voice calls. Every, all your digitized voice calls, they all sound like shit now compared to what we used to have, but you can't get non-digitized voice. It's all digital. Next. Sticking with Apple. So, you know, on the left side of this slide for people that are looking at it is um, what my, I went to my Netflix account and I clicked on my iPhone and I clicked on um, account settings and it says, looking for your account settings, please go to Netflix on the web to manage your account. And there's no link. It's basically just a dead end. And you have to go open up a Safari or Chrome browser and go to your Netflix account and log in. There's no direct access. So this is a tech meme. Um, This was obviously a new story out earlier in the week. Apple now lets reader apps like a Netflix or a Spotify link to websites that help create or set up user accounts once the developer is granted access to the appropriate app entitlement. And so essentially what that means is now you'll have, assuming a Netflix or a Spotify was approved, whoever it may be, you now can be taken directly to the website, which is interesting. You can't tell them that the price is cheaper to sign up on the web, but you can certainly provide a direct access link. You know, again, there'll be more friction than any in-app purchase. Not clear whether you have to use in-app purchase to get this option enabled or to be entitled for this, but it certainly creates an easier way and less friction to get companies who are creating these subscription services, get the consumer to their websites, which has been more difficult historically. It's still not easy. It's still not as seamless as point and click in the app store, but it is easier than it was. Yeah, I voted initially to not have this slide in. You just don't, I, I, look, I think it's a bigger think deal I, than you think. I think it's a bigger deal than you think. I could be wrong. Then I, it, well, I did. Then, I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to move on. I did say Brand, that, though. <laughs> Brandon, why don't you read this one? Teller Lorenz. Okay. There's actually a lot of tweet verbiage on this slide. So <laughs> <laughs> why, why don't I take them one at a time? Scoop. Meta is paying targeted victory one of the biggest Republican consulting firms to quietly orchestrate a nationwide campaign to turn the public against TikTok. We got a hold of documents outlining their plan. Um, I guess it's not quiet anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then she follows with another tweet. None of the anti-TikTok op-eds letters to the editor that ran in regional papers across the country in key districts were published with any indication that a firm working on behalf of Meta had been involved in drafting and planting I mean, whatever. 
Sure. But then the, the, this other tweet that we have here from Andrej Karpathia, and what's interesting about him is he's the head of AI for Tesla. And he literally just put up a tweet unprovoked, just said, TikTok is scary good. It's digital crack. First time I feel attacked by AI in the brain. And, and he's saying this in March of 2022. That's the dumbest tweet I've seen this week because like, okay, where the fuck have you been? on TikTok's rise. Like, hey, did you not use it a year ago? Like, that's not new. That's not new. But let's oh, get back to Facebook. Right. No, no, no. Actually, I disagree. I think it is. I think one of the big things that we're seeing at TikTok that's really important is it's expanding demo wise. It's getting older and older. Okay. That's I know you're point. laughing at that. That's a, no, that's, a, that's, laughing, a, that's a very good point. But I'm saying the point is that it's always been crack it's always been that's why it has been successful because the algo is that good right at serving you up and what you're like that's not new well let's break it down as it relates to facebook okay so clearly facebook is extremely worried about tiktok as zuck said of course you know very honestly on the last call sure and it's it's not about sort of deflecting to look like they should be able to do M&A. He is clearly very worried. This sure. solidifies that. Then when we look at Facebook's competitive response, we talk about Reels as a format change for Instagram and eventually Facebook. It's not just about reels itself as you guys just pointed out it's also the algorithm and what it serves us that is a competitive problem for facebook to overcome is that yep. correct yes i think that's the single biggest thing that like reels is a fine copycat as a product the ai algorithm is not the same it's now, just different but the third leg of this brandon is this kind of like, oh, this company is doing bad things. And it's like, okay, because Zook deservedly and other of the executives get, you know, get shit for stuff that they've done. Yep. And this looks bad, but look, companies, let's be honest, dude, companies talk shit about other companies to influencers, whether they're analysts, people in the media, whatever it is. Like, you know, there's obviously a line that you can cross in terms of providing fake information and pushing it. But for that second Taylor tweet of saying like, Oh, the news organization didn't disclose it. Like, okay, reporters get fed yeah, shit all the time yeah, yeah. by companies. Give me a fucking break. But what's like, interesting about it, though, is everyone talks about, oh, like Facebook was a place for disinformation and for that was used as a platform to sway election results. And now you have Zuck basically doing his own smear campaign. No, that's why it looks particularly yeah, bad. You would think that they would be a little bit more careful with this stuff, given their history. <laughs> I but that's, that's what's bad about it. Yeah, really, it's, more it's, than anything. It's, that's pretty insane. Now, let's talk about Facebook the stock a little bit and what Reels means, and then we'll talk about measurement. Look, Reels is a good product. It's definitely getting more usage. It's getting more visible. They're definitely, you know, Dave, the CFO Wainers talked about how there's, you know, the ad stuff is working on it. But, you know, on the flip side, putting Reels now into Facebook takes away monetization from sort of the core Facebook feed because it doesn't monetize as well as the core Facebook feed. In the interim period, obviously, it doesn't monetize as well. That should change 
because Reels is actually a pretty engaging product itself as as a form as a media format. Sure. No. So no, just, it is. So there is a transition where now you have to sell against Reels, but I don't think that's going to ultimately, once the product is in the feed, hold hold them back. What may hold them back from a competitive standpoint with TikTok is TikTok taking time spent and share. One thing that I have noticed, though, what we talked about the algorithm, this is personal, this is anecdotal, but I have been getting content in my feed that is interesting to me, that isn't stuff that I had um, followed. So they are working to tweak the algorithm and they still know for better or worse, a lot about us. So I do expect that the reels product and the algorithm are going to get better and maybe, you know, take some of the thunder or take some, the way I guess stories kind of cut some demos off from moving over. I think that it will start to have an impact. The question now is monetization. And monetization very much comes down to attribution and targeting. And those are things that were cut off by IDFA. There was an information article a couple of weeks ago that said that the attribution is improving. What does this mean, Rich? I mean, look, it's obviously if it's true, you know, and we've heard mixed things from talking to advertisers, it's hard to tell how clear that is in terms of improvements. And obviously, Facebook talked about a $10 billion negative impact. Look, I'm sure attribution is going to, we all know it's going to get better as they come up with more tools to get around this. The bigger problem is Zuck just seemed so scared about TikTok. And I think this Washington Post story just makes me even more concerned of just how worried Facebook is internally that sure, they could beat the quarter or they could do a little bit better, yeah, well, even signal that it's doing better. Sure, the stock could bounce. Do but you the think, fundamentals do you think are, the stock bounces? It like, the stock got very based on the numbers that are out there, pretty inexpensive. It got down to like 13 times or whatever free cash was like nine times. If you, if you pull out the investment in metaverse, is that the, pull out the investment, they're not stopping and dumping right, more of and course. more money. Into. Right. So, so yeah, I love yeah, that. Call love it doing like that. now it's mid teens ish free Thank cash you. flow. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that cheap enough to see a significant bounce if things improve from a, from an earnings or top line perspective. I, I always feel like ultimately internet stocks are tied to engagement. If engagement's going the wrong way, I think it'll be very short-lived. If engagement is actually improving and the TikTok impact is lessening, then absolutely it can really work. But I think if engagement is a growing problem and they're more and more worried about what TikTok is doing to them, I don't think it matters. But we'll so, say- you're, so you're more concerned ultimately with um, I'm concerned that they're with, concerned. with with reels working and the algorithm being better or more suited for the current world than you are the monetization attribution and targeting. Correct. I'm worried that literally TikTok is eating Facebook. That's the issue, what I'm worried about. I think about. to Brandon's point, like this is not these things are not one or the other. They're combined. If you're if you're Facebook, <clears throat> you say, look. The guy that was or woman that was clicking on the Insta or Facebook before, maybe they're rather than clicking every day, they're every other day. But once they yeah. click on that every other day, we're going to hold on to them for an extra three minutes because the reels is a little bit better or the Instagram yeah. is a little bit more diverse in terms of content. 
That's point A. And that's incremental. That's positive. That's that might be better than the street expect. At the same time, like, you know, you got to fucking try and take down the competition because you want to get that person, those those incremental people to get a little scared about using, you know, TikTok is like, you know, what what are who, who are you know, what are people, whatever they're whatever bullshit that they were pushing in terms of um, TikTok doing stuff um, to your kids or to you. I mean, so I think it's a two it's a it's a two front war that you would that you would take they would take this on. I, I don't disagree. Uh, I think it'll just depend on how big those two swings are. There's two sort of big issues, and I think that are intertwined as Walt just yeah. said. Okay, let's move on. Uh, okay, we've got T-Mobile, Walt. Uh, this tweet is uh, from Eli Blumenthal. It's saying T-Mobile says its shutdown of Sprint's CDMA network is proceeding as planned on March 31st. And then here comes the fine print. Carrier says the process may take up to 60 days in some areas, but the network will be fully turned off by no later than May 31st. So the bottom line is the expectation from everyone was March 31st. It's now May 3rd. This is like kind of a, like they're just sneaking this one in. It's three months. And ultimately, in my view, this comes back to the pushback that DISH gave, you know, the right thing to do. And the fact that there is, a negotiation or a new deal between Dish and T-Mobile that has been disclosed in the company's calls. It's in front of the DOJ right now that everyone's kind of waiting for it to be finalized. That goes back to our 2021 predictions in terms of T-Mobile reworking the Dish deal. So we'll see if the DOJ finally approves that. But here's just another sign that um, I don't want to call it a cave, but <laughs> all these like hardline things that T-Mobile was talking about did not come to fruition. We've got more T-Mobile, though. Well, at the same time this week, you had friend of Lightshed Open Signal coming out with their latest report showing download speeds, and the T-Mobile download speeds, which are very good, 225 megabits per second, um, compared on their two and a half. This is the mid-band spectrum that we've talked so much about. Now the Verizon's rolling out C-band; they're getting 211, so still higher. But again. As Gabriel Brown points out from heavy reading, I doubt any normal user would notice the difference between 160 and 225 megabits per second on download speeds, but getting good service consistently makes all the difference. Coverage is still king in mobile. And the 160 he's referring to is our very own AT&T. And the point is like, okay, you, you made this all these investments, you spend billions of dollars on spectrum, but if you have coverage and you treat the customer well, and you get wholesale deals, like who's really going to be growing faster? And could I just chime in with the personal Rich Greenfield story here that the 20.7 from Verizon upload speed, I'm pretty sure that's faster than what I get on Spectrum in New York City. <laughs> that's a whole different topic. We're not going to hit I, one. I, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying but the, that. But the, I hear you, Rich. But the point here is within the mobile world, it's looking like differentiation is getting harder. So when you have a lack of differentiation in service, ultimately maybe price becomes the lever that needs to be pulled. Right now it's just, they're giving you free or free phones and subsidizing phones. I guess the concern that's out there is does the next shoe ever drop in terms of lower service pricing? Well, and they've also done more and more inclusions of media services, right? I mean, everybody's got something now, right? T-Mobile's got Paramount and Verizon's got their Disney and T-Mobile's got their Netflix. Like everyone has just been adding up as much stuff as they can jam in there to yep. get you to higher service plans and to yep. quote unquote differentiate, but they've all, they're all giving you something. 
Yes, they are. Um, sticking with mobile, we've got a sports business story that the National Football League, NFL, is considering developing its own subscription streaming service, which would include mobile rights. NFL chief media and business officer and friend of Light Shed, Brian Rollup, has confirmed. Um, so listeners probably or viewers may remember that Verizon is ending their deal, their mobile deal a year early. And so the NFL can sell these rights. And we had thought that when the NFL was trying to sell its the NFL, you know, sort of some form of meaningful minority stake in the NFL network and in red zone. We thought that the mobile rights could get rolled in with that. And it looks like the NFL now is thinking about keeping them, which is interesting because the NFL really hasn't run its own media business, um, you know, since it's essentially Direct offloaded. consumer the, business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is them to me, this is sort of acknowledging that, look, they weren't willing to, they, they needed help for, Thursday night football, right? Which is why they went out and did the deal with Fox and then with um, with Amazon. They weren't willing to put the biggest dollars at risk um, and make that type of investment, but they want to learn and grow the D 2 C chops and learn. Verizon. Yes. Verizon certainly didn't do very much with those mobile rights. I mean, nobody knew where to find it. Nobody was actually using the Yahoo sports app to watch games. This seems like the NFL is trying to basically say, hey, look, we know we have to do this. This isn't the biggest you know, we, we got our huge checks from all of the major broadcast networks and Amazon. Let's learn and play with the mobile package, which is, you know, I think, especially with younger consumers, an, an interesting move by the NFL, assuming it actually happens and is true. Couldn't they get more revenue from someone that just wants extra shit to get their subscriptions on? And, and if, and, and if the answer is no, then like, what are you really learning? Like, what's what's the end game? Well, that's the that? question, right? I mean, is there a point in time, uh, 10 years down the road, where it may make more sense for them to do something direct to consumer? Are there rights that they could splice up, ticket package, whatever it may be? Does it make sense to kind of learn these chops while making some of the revenue back or maybe even much of the revenue back? I, I don't think it really matters either way. I'm going to use Dofu Sports app either way. Great, you're going to break the law. It's great. But, but, I'm kidding. But, no, no, but, but what I wanted to sort of get just the last point here is just, look, Facebook was the cover bid for Verizon the last time the mobile rights got sold. I don't know whether the Facebooks and YouTubes really want to be in this mobile-only subscription business. So, you know, it didn't really work on Verizon. My guess is they don't really believe having it on a pure single carrier or even, you know, sort of as an add-on really works. And so this may be like, hey, we couldn't get a great partner to buy these things at a big number. It makes more sense to, to, to sort of test and learn from their own standpoint. I mean, that's my guess, but I don't know. I think it's a good question, Walt. Like, why why is this not on Facebook? Because I think if you put it onto Facebook, it would actually, I think, get a lot because more Facebook's usage. Facebook's evil. I just think that any platform, it's just there's they view something like this as much greater than what you could get from the actual dollar subscription of people signing up for this. So I don't know. We'll see. Little Twitter communities, Walter. Twitter communities, Rich. Community search has launched on, I'm going to say it's iOS, but it's I guess it's launched everywhere. Find the search icon at the top right of your communities tab and let us know what you think. I started this. I started my own. Please. If you're on Twitter, join my 5G in the future of wireless community. To me, it was like, I don't think what Sounds I started. Sounds like a hoot. 
Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so no, it's fine. It's fine. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, it's, it's not, I think it's mine's open. And the whole mm-hmm. issue here is that like people can tweet back and forth and it won't show up in your regular feed. So when I'm tweeting all my bullshit about 5g in this community, you're not going to get polluted with it. Um, which is, I think a, maybe a positive. I think the second thing is on the restricted side, meaning I could create one where I only let people in and presumably you can drive payments on this. Like we should theoretically do only for light shed subscribers, a Twitter feed that is a private thing that only people come in. But I can imagine that there's revenue models around having these like, you know, segmented groups. I think it has, I think it has potential. I don't, I think Brandon, to your point, like what I've devised is probably and versions of what I've done are probably boring, but I think there's going to be other models that can be built within this thoughts, Rich. Or Brandon, look, look, no, I think we it's looked just, at that company bunches. Remember that? Yeah, but this part, is again just like why Clubhouse didn't work as a standalone, but Spaces works. This is a feature, and I think this is just Twitter giving you more ways of engaging. I don't know which one's going to work. I mean, they've done a lot of different things with the creator economy. You know, paid. You know, t- you know, tweets. Like they're doing lots of different ways to engage consumers. I think this is interesting. Does it work? I don't know. I think it depends on how good the content going back to the quality of content, like if the content is good in some of these communities, I think they'll get real followings. I mean, I'm sure crypto and Web3, like I wouldn't mind some of the stuff in my main feed getting pushed out to sort of dedicated, almost like list-like, but now stuck inside of these communities so it doesn't clutter up the main feed as much. And vice versa, for those of us, unlike you, Rich, who only have following 800 people, that you can go into a community and get um, yes. visibility on people on a topic that you wouldn't normally have gotten. So it's what Brandon was talking about in terms of Instagram changing and giving you, you know, more types of stuff, more experiences. You have the opportunity to potentially do that in communities, whether it ends up flourishing for that reason. I'm not so sure. I think the more compelling thing might be the, the, the closed groups and the business models that you can build around that. We got starry. We're really, we're running hot on Walt today. Telecom, baby. T- today was a proud day for Starry Internet. Friends of Lightshed, as our their CEO, Chet Kanuja, rang the opening bell to NYSE. The reason I wanted to bring this up, first of all, c- congrats to the to the team for getting that done. People shit all over SPACs. And like, I think people I mean, have like given up on SPACs. Like they've just given just, up on the whole category. It's like, it's like a bad, it's like it's like a bad word. And partly because like, you know, you had Chamath out there was abuse. The shit out of them, you know, and like you had a lot of business models that were zero revenue, but there's, you know, there are good SPACs out there. I mean, we cover one in core, which reported um, this week. That was a Cerberus SPAC. They generate free cash flow. They beat revenue. It's like a trading at like an 8% free cash flow yield on 2023. It's a real company with real secular tailwinds in terms of IoT. So I think we're in this kind of phase where everyone hates on SPACs. And, and, you know, and I think Starry faced this in their first couple of days. The fundamental managers, you know, the market's obviously very volatile. It's hard to focus on new names, but it's like names like this. Like I remember when Digital Turbine was a hated name. And you couldn't buy someone to even look at them. And then all of a sudden the thing took off and it doubled and it doubled. And it, I mean, so that I think is at some point the opportunity. I think there's SPACs in, in your world too that that aren't terrible. Yeah, no. Bolero is actually pretty interesting, especially from a valuation perspective. You know, you're kind of in the antithesis. It's, not, it's no BuzzFeed. It's no BuzzFeed. <laughs> That's all. No, look, right? There's there, a lot there of bad will be a synth- There will be a synthesis. And- 
I mean, they're That'll public companies. That. Like people shouldn't look at them as saying they're a SPAC. It's just like, okay, they were a SPAC. Now they are a public company with its own capital well, structure. And sometimes it's a liquidity issue, right? Sometimes it's 100%, like- percent but that's like any small cap. Sure. These are just sometimes really small cap, but yes. <laughs> uh, not always. Or have no. become really small cap. Well, they have become. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they have become after they've despacked. Uh, Brandon, you want to read Vegas? We got a couple of things here. Sure. Um, from Joe Pompliano, breaking Formula One has officially announced that Las Vegas is getting a race starting in 2023. This will be the third F1 race in the United States alongside Austin and Miami. It will be on a Saturday night in November, and the track runs right down the Vegas Strip. Let's go. Ooh, nice. I think that's. Just going to be awesome. Yeah, we should. I don't. I don't know what else there is to say about it. I think Formula Live Nations One, involved, right? Yeah, Live, Live, Nations Na- involved. Live Nations involved. They are kind of sister no, uh, companies <laughs> within within the same uh, structure um, at Liberty. So that was put together, and I think they're building on the popularity that really Netflix helped um, launch in the united states and that's just a really cool race what else can i say the second one's from lucas shaw scoop the oakview group tim lewicki and co is developing a multi-billion dollar entertainment complex just south of the las vegas strip it will include a hotel casino and arena that may vie for a future nba team what okay Vegas uh, becoming a sports destination very quickly. I mean, we've got hockey, football. Arena? Can't they do that in the T-Mobile arena? I don't know. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, my first thought is you have T-Mobile arena. Now in Oakview yep. arena, you've got a sphere. Yep. Like you got a lot of stuff competing for, for content. I mean, I know if you get sort of basketball or you get hockey, you have a lot of core nights taken care of given the seasons, but yeah, you have 41 plus preseason. Let's call it 45 nights taken, sure, but you, but you but still you have a still, lot of no, content to fill. You, uh, yeah, you absolutely to like start making real money need to get to like 80 or 90 nights filled. Um, and this is setting up for some real competition for, um, I, I guess, especially concerts uh yeah. in vegas now uh, unless the sphere is the best experience which i guess if the experience is that much better for the artist and for the fan maybe it doesn't matter competition wise well there's a business model difference i think also between the sphere and this arena the sphere itself is built for a residency model not really a touring model so my guess is that mo- most of the events there the nighttime events i'll call them are going to be running for multiple weeks at a time, whereas this NBA arena will all like T-Mobile will have concerts that kind of come through Vegas like they would any other city. So I think that's an important distinction right there. And obviously for the sphere, you have uh, the daytime content. We'll see kind of how that works out over time and the convention business. We don't know exactly what the daytime content is going to look like, though we know they hired people from Disney, et cetera, et cetera. So it's interesting. I mean, my first read on it, I was like, wow, this is real competition um, for MSG and for the sphere. Then as I kind of thought about it, yes, there will be some competition, but that residency model if that works, that's the differentiator. Right. But it's, but it, 
but you're in, but T-Mobile though, it is competition for, and it seems yeah. kind of silly to have something yeah, that and can you clearly have, handle basketball. Yeah. You have yeah. Tim. It's interesting because Tim was at AEG, I think, and built the T-Mobile arena. Now he's out on his own and he's like kind of sticking it to the man a little bit. Yeah, by wonder, building a, probably a, a competitive arena there. <laughs> and I am sure that, um, you know, he'll have, that'll be a ticket master venue, oh, close ties sure. with live nation, et cetera, et cetera. So Rich, you used to like to say, good luck, good luck. T-Mobile arena. Who owns Next. T-Mobile arena? AEG once again, oh. not, not T-Mobile oh, wall. That. That's yeah, a yeah. sponsorship deal. <laughs> no, I, I said, <laughs> I, that's why I asked. That's I'm joking. <laughs> Daniel Ahmad, you want me to read this one? Well, yeah, I think it's look. It's also interesting just because, like, you know, you've got a bunch of senators who are sort of questioning the whole Activision Microsoft merger, which obviously subscription. You've talked a lot about how subscription is a big deal for that merger and what its implications are. And here we have Sony on the subscription side. So why don't you read it and tell us what it all means? Um, Daniel Ahmad, Bloomberg is reporting that Sony will reveal its new Spartacus subscription service next week. Sony's new service will combine two of its current offerings, PlayStation Now and Plus. This is where things start to get interesting regarding cloud gaming. It builds on the device agnostic approach that cloud gaming currently offers, but with the ability to truly scale in terms of mechanics, gameplay, community, and overall complexity. So I think there's a couple of things to unpack your favorite word, Walt, um, here. And the first, you're say that. the first is on the subscription side. And we've seen Microsoft, Sony's biggest competitor, um, go really deeply into subscription with Game Pass, where they're putting first party content day and date on Game Pass and allowing you for you know, your $14.99 price point um, to also use cloud gaming. In the case of Sony, a couple of things. They're, that show they're not as all in on subscription. One Versus Microsoft. Versus Microsoft. One is you, there's three tiers and only in the highest tier can you actually use cloud services? And that's $17.99, which is obviously more than the $14.99. <laughs> So that's number one. And number two, most importantly, from a content perspective, they're not putting any day and date sort of frontline releases out on on um, or have not promised to on the subscription service. You're talking strictly catalog here. So, yes. So it's much less to, exciting. As, Dan, as Daniel points out, they brought together... Um, PlayStation Plus, which you need for multiplayer and had some other benefits to it. And PlayStation Now, which is a catalog subscription service, which reached 10 bucks, that 20, so lowered the price and the barrier to subscription gaming. But they are not all in the way Microsoft is. And people talk about MA in games and are like, oh, Sony's got to compete with this Activision. Um, acquisition that you just uh, brought up and it's like no subscription is still secondary as a merchandising model for them they they are not trying to play keep away on content 
But then we've also got this Games Insider tweet that says Rockstar to launch GTA Plus for GTA Online. Wasn't sort of, I mean, maybe this is an overarching subscription, but wasn't sort of take two not really into subscription or not really bullish on subscription? Yeah. So I think now you're using the word subscription um, as a catch-all. Subscription that Strauss has not been bullish on is the Netflix of aka the game pass subscription got it he's more been in favor of the playstation subscription which is putting sort of catalog games into subscription Mm -hmm. and getting paid for that this is a subscription for an individual game it's getting very confusing which is gta online and subscription has worked um for oh look at uh uh, what Epic has done with Fortnite, right? On on a on a seasonal basis. So like with Battle Pass, yeah, with Battle Pass, the so subscription sure. has been used before, and this adds a little bit more predictability to your revenue stream, and maybe a little extra ARPU. Albeit, the way it kind of works out is you do have pretty predictable in-game revenue. And by the way, just speaking of Fortnite, and Walter, I know you've never seen an ad on TikTok, but when I opened up my TikTok today, full screen takeover ad for Fortnite. I don't know why today, but huge ad. Full screen? Full screen ad. Full screen takeover, all Fortnite when you opened up the app. I've been on TikTok at least two times today, maybe three. I still haven't seen an ad, let alone a takeover. I I did say we did learn they are list. Maybe they are listening, Rich, because what, Rich, what was, we had a Zoom today with Anthony from 1v1me. And what did we talk about? We talked a lot about TikTok yeah. and and shooters, including Fortnite. Uh-oh. That's true. Are they listening? Or is this well, we also well, we also did a meeting with Carolyn Emerson the, the other day. Only Walt. evil one? Yeah, or are true. there others? Of but, course. But Walt, we, did, we did a lot le- there. We'll discover we it on the one hundred and first episode <laughs> of the Light Shed podcast. We did a Light Shed premium access with Carolyn Everson, and one of the things she mentioned was that. At Facebook, just like I guess at TikTok, there is a control group of consumers that don't see ads, and they basically use it to compare behavior trends to people that get ads. So I'm guessing you're in that control group, Walt. Yes. Non-ad getting users. Yes. That is my takeaway: is that you are in the control. Great. My takeaway is that I would pay a dollar ninety-nine a month to remain in that control group. Uh, well, I'm sure you would. Th- does this mean that Walt is the truly average person that yes. can be used <laughs> as, the, as the control group? I would strive I, to be the truly average person. Yeah, just like well, every, guess, just like every what, Netflix Walt, show. I know you're pretty well. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> We've now I'm, got. I'm, s- I'm striving to get right towards the middle, Brandon. Someday, <laughs> maybe I'll um, get there. I, I, in terms of what <laughs> temperament? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> we have Sarah Fisher from Axios tweeting out Nielsen agrees to $16 billion private equity takeover offer. This is not a shock. I think on the last week's podcast, we were shocked that Nielsen had said no to a slightly lower offer the week before. Uh, obviously, they listen and they realize that they had yeah. to sell it. The bigger question is, is why I, is somebody the real question is why is somebody buying given sort of the the headwinds facing this business with, you know, I mean, iSpot is now being used as a currency by NBC. Um, video amp is getting more and more usage across the legacy media companies. And it's just, it feels like a weird time to lever up Nielsen 
not because it doesn't generate a lot of cash and it's not going to take a while to die. I think the bigger issue is when you're levered, you're not going to have the you're not going to have a lot of flexibility. And I think all of the media partners are going to understand this thing is levered and are really going to put a lot of pressure on it. And so I don't know if a levered Nielsen is a great place to be. So, so. Le- leverage is a key word here. Because yep. of leverage, you lose leverage. Oh, that, that's my fear. That would be but my fear. You're, you're a good wordsmith today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Randy, what What's WWE? Uh, speaking of, so I was actually going to relate that to WWE because I remember when they were going for the last renewal, the domestic and international rights, Vince didn't and George Barrios didn't want to take on financial leverage because they thought they were going to lose negotiating leverage with um, with the distributors. So it is interesting. And that does give some credence to what you're talking about here, Rich. Okay, let's bring up this WWE slide. Let me see what's in it. Darren Ravel, just in. Fanatics signs a deal with WWE, includes the rights to sell licensed merchandise, as well as physical, digital, and NFT trading cards. Okay, so who the fuck has Fanatics not not signed a deal with at this point? Um, For WWE, you know, they are a content studio, essentially, at this point. And That's really they, what Nick Khan said on that podcast enough, this yeah, week, too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just another way for them to monetize their content. And Fanatics just keeps going for it. And we should probably expect that IPO to come sometime soon. I mean, Fanatics is just running, you know, just cleaning up all Inco- across the space. Yeah. Oh, merch and collectibles. And I just point. keep wondering at what point do they clean up and, you know, as all of these sports betting companies sort of implode, at what point do they sort of, I mean, I guess that gets us, that's a good segue ed, ed, into our, ed, into our ed, last ed, slide. Ed, edge their way into to that business. And we know yeah. that they've looked at it because of the hires that they made Matt King. Um, Walt, you want to read our last slide? Because I know this has been, you've been the biggest beneficiary in our well, this is triumvirate. Another- Darren Ravel. No, I have. This is another. Yeah, Brandon is out. Because I hedged it. On this. <laughs> um, well, actually, you only did it once, though. You only took away three, right? What are you talking about? And I did it for Jess. So you got six total? Yeah. But, but I think if you did it for both of them, you hedged out. If you both did it, you hedged out and lost three and gained three. No? No, so- but, it, no but there was like the $3,000 bonus. So I gained six. So... There was I'm not 12, sure our audience was, cares about this. There was 12. Well, they that- care because according to Darren Ravel, Caesars is the number two in uh, year-to-date top five players with market share data at 27%. And what you're hearing Brandon and I debate about is how much free money we were able to bank. In my case, $3,000 plus bonus is actually more like $3,500. In Brandon's case, apparently $6,000. Um, we I know other people- It's more. That it's, it was like 6,600. 6,600 family members that were, that were um, adding family members. So bought share, Rich. That is bought market share. I mean, there's no doubt. Caesars? You saw, are they the funder of Caesars? Who owns Caesars? I, I think the real question is, is this sticky market share? Or do we look back at this in 12 or 18 months? And is it FanDuel and DraftKings 1-2? Like, I don't a- know. I think about sports betting now, and I think of the emperor. 
So you think that Caesars has sort of permanently placed itself into the top two? To my mind, yes. The emperor. The ad campaign was that good in your mind, like in terms of just sort of cementing the brand. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. So when anyone who pays me six grand, I love you for life. Yeah, but when BetMGM gives you $1,000 or $2,000, you're not switching over to them in six months? No, of course not. Why? Because the emperor gave me more. I, I think yeah, you're switching. You, you guys are shameless. Trolling you, of course. If someone yeah. else wants, no, to I, I, I'm not going to bet ever. I'm just going to arbitrage every offer, take all the money, put it take in my all, bank account, take all the money, and then bet it all on shit coins. But not all the offers <laughs> work that way. I think Caesars was particularly. I think they may have. I think someone at Caesars might have fucked that one up bigly, because the other offers don't exactly work the same way, and they're certainly more not as large. But congrats I, I on a, your number two market share, Caesars. I have a question. What? Sure. What does it mean to get jiggy with it? Can you, know, you show me? Show me now, Walt. Show me what it means. Is yeah, Will Smith getting canceled? What do you think? No. Um, but I would advise everyone to watch We Crash on Apple TV. It's a great show, and they've done an accurate depiction of Adam Newman, who we, the three of us, were at the WeWork IPL. Where it was the roadshow. We were there. Rich built our built our research site during Adam Newman's presentation <laughs> as his wife was that is true. Up that was Adam. insane. Yes, Rich I, I forgot about that. Building our site on WordPress, yeah. Like elbowing Brandon and looking Adam Newman's wife. I'm like, who's that woman that looks like yeah. like wants to, you know, Adam? He's like, oh, that's his wife. Yeah. Who was the head of branding? And Rich, we, we Rich learned. Was, she was head of Rich. We you were just oblivious we to grow, the whole we thing. Grow. Oh, I was. Can I totally. tell my, but you're gonna have to run this song out because I got to tell the WeWork story of how we went and they claimed that they were gonna have a lidar camera that was gonna take a picture of our office. And then they were going to have machines go and build. It was all fucking bullshit. I was like, what do you mean? An iPhone app? Yeah. Send me the LiDAR picture. Oh, yeah, we'll send it to you. And then we go. We never got the LiDAR picture. We we go to see our WeWork office being built. Of course, it was, you know, a bunch of construction dudes, like plumbers crack and all, like fucking putting up the drywall. Actually, it wasn't drywall, but like, I guess, popcorn ceilings. Can you please make this louder so I can enjoy it? Sure. While we play it out. I can't yeah, believe we well, made it through 100 episodes without killing each other. Although I guess you almost died in a snowmobile. What you, I was so. going to say, what are you talking about? I'm on my ninth life, dude. <laughs> I died eight times during this process. Have a great Amen. weekend, everyone. We'll That's see episode you for 100. I can't wait to see you for episode number... 101 and happy Easy. april fool 101 Easy. 101 101 for your listening pleasure 101